Hey everyone, welcome to the Sliving with Sickle Cell podcast. My name is Barbara Biosa and I am a sickle cell warrior, CEO and fashion designer of luxury women's wear clothing brand Dimabai and founder of the Gideon's Treasure Foundation. And I am your host today. From the Queen Paris Hilton, sliving means slaying and living your best life. We all deserve to do this. I'm here to bring you all the fabulous tales, the struggles and the triumphs of living with sickle cell anemia and running a business with a disability. There has been many highs and many lows, but I think it's important to share your stories and journey. We will be discussing some important topics and inviting some amazing guest speakers to share their experiences and their journey. This podcast is dedicated to help spread awareness of sickle cell anemia, uplift and build a community of ambitious people who may have a physical or emotional challenges that make being an entrepreneur or following your dreams that much harder. Hey, I'm joined with the lovely Stacey Shells. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining. And I'm so excited to get to know you more and learn about your exciting journey. Thank you so much for reaching out and asking me to come on here. It's really, really nice to be able to talk about things we're going to talk about. So, yeah, I'm happy. Yay, definitely. Um, So please start by telling me a bit about yourself, your background and your upbringing. So I am Stacey Shells, Stacey mm-hmm. for short, really. Um, I am 33 years old mm-hmm. and I am a British-born Ghanaian. Mm-hmm. So my parents are Ghanaian mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, I'm from South London. I am now married with two kids mm-hmm. and I have sickle cell. Mm-hmm. I'm an occupational therapist and I work mm-hmm. for the NHS. Amazing. Um, and I've been doing so for over 10 years now. Oh, wow. That's really good. And we'll definitely get into that. Um, so what was your upbringing in terms of like your, like growing up in London? When were you diagnosed with sickle cell? Like what was that kind of, you know, experience? So I was born with sickle cell. Mm-hmm. So far as I know, I know I was born with sickle cell. My parents both have the trait. Um, I'm the oldest of four. Mm-hmm. So I have three younger siblings and the two in the middle are sickle cell trait, but the youngest also has sickle cell. Oh, so okay. it's your classic probability two and four kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, when I was younger, I am i wouldn't remember, but I've got pictures. My parents mm-hmm. have shown me pictures of my first ever crisis mm-hmm. and being in hospital. I may have been between four and six. Okay. And that's the first time I ever actually had a crisis. Crisis, yeah. Um, growing up, I did have crisis and things, but nothing serious enough after that mm-hmm. yeah. time. Nothing serious enough to be admitted into hospital. Okay. Um, I was your typical penicillin, folic acid, paracetamol, ibuprofen girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, nothing at all. And then I remember... Um, three days after my 15th birthday, mm. um, as a woman, my period started. Yeah, and being with sickle cell, we go through puberty very late. So my, my sister that's directly after me, she had gone through that all already. Mm-hmm. And the day my period started, that triggered a, a crisis as well. Yes. But again, nothing serious enough to be hospitalized, but mm. I was off school the whole lot. Yeah. And again, little bits and bobs that I can manage myself until mm-hmm. I went to uni. Mm-hmm. And then every year in uni, I was hospitalized. Oh, yeah. Um, and they put it down to obviously the stress, the change in lifestyle, yeah. not looking after yourself. And of course, I knew I had sickle cell and I knew I had medication to take, which mm-hmm. I did. But of course, you know, there's this whole your whole lifestyle changes, your eating habit changes, yeah. you, you, you're you grown and excited at uni, you want to be yeah, your own person so and stuff. True. So you you lose your routine. Yeah. And I think that also triggered, and of course, with the demands of uni, you yeah. end up um, going, getting stressed, mm-hmm. work deadlines and stuff. Yeah. I had placements as well. So it was 
very demanding and I think that's yeah. what also caused the crisis I'm assuming yeah. so that's in a nutshell my life into adulthood from childhood yeah. when it comes to single so my parents have always been supportive really um, they've done what they can I met my husband in college mm-hmm. so from day one we were friends for we were best friends for a year so oh, from day so nice. one he knew that I had sickle cell yeah. so it was oh, ne- good. I've never had to approach the talk and let you know about sickle yeah. cell thing. I've never actually <laughs> knew, gone yeah, through yeah. that because he knew from day one yeah. and his grand his grandma also has sickle cell oh, so, so um but- yeah, there was a little yeah, risk like, that we took. Does, does he have trait or no? He's okay. <laughs> He's fine. He doesn't have it oh, at all. So our kids yeah. have the trait, we thank okay. God. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was a little risk we took. Yeah. Of course. And obviously back then I didn't, you don't think about the future. And obviously mm. you date not at that age, at 17. Yeah. I wasn't dating to marry at that age. Yeah. It just so happened that the one person that I dated lasted this long but it wasn't in my mind to you know getting tested early and things like that um yeah so that's in a nutshell wow and thank you for sharing and um so that first crisis because you were you said you're the oldest out of four kids so did your parents know about um sickle cell before you're born or was it kind of like when you when you were born and you were diagnosed that that's when they kind of realized yeah, so my parents mm-hmm. didn't know anything about sickle cell until mm-hmm. my mum was pregnant with me. And of course, when you're yeah. pregnant, you go through the checks and stuff. Yeah. And then it came out that she had the sickle cell trait. And then um, they tested and I came, obviously mm-hmm. they tested. They test before you give birth Yeah, and came out that I had sickle cell. So oh, she okay. knew that I was going to have sickle cell before I was born. Mm -hmm. However, obviously this was back in 89. Mm, And because my parents didn't know much about sickle cell, they didn't know the magnitude of what would happen. Yeah. You know, and of course, because I was on the grand scheme of things in in all things sickle cell, I was pretty... Mm -hmm a pretty well kid yeah. I mean I wasn't in hospital in and out of hospital and things so when my youngest sister was born mm-hmm. it threw them for a loop because she was oh. ill all the time she was in hospital almost on a monthly oh, basis yeah, so yeah. It, it's like literally Very, night and day yeah. when it comes to the both of us yeah. in terms of how to go about handling your child who has sickle cell. Yeah. And on top of that, my, my mum's sickle cell is very different. It doesn't get spoken about often, her trait, I should say. Okay. She is um what we call SF. So oh, there's no okay. she's no AS or SCs or any oh, of that. She's wow, literally okay. an SF, and the F stands for higher feta hemoglobin. Okay. So she has a very odd trait gene and with her trait gene it means that with me my sister who have sickle cell Mm -hmm. our fetal hemoglobin is typically higher than your normal sickle cell candidate um but it's still drastically lower than your average person if that makes sense yeah so for example for me on a on a well day my hemoglobin Mm -hmm. could be about eight or a nine okay yeah which is still drastically low, but yeah. then when you but when you look at somebody who doesn't have the high feta hemoglobin, they're probably operating at a six or a seven. Oh, that's, so, I've yeah. never heard. that's amazing. That's very new to yeah. me because my hemoglobin is usually on an eight when I'm well, and I'm usually yeah. well quite all the time. But when I've actually gotten into crisis, it's when it goes to like seven or I think one time it went down to five and I needed a blood transfusion but other than yeah. that it is quite on the higher side which is so like and I think it does make a difference because you said like you're normally quite well and your sickle cell is very manageable in that sense like yeah you don't go to hospital as as much and that was when I was younger it's okay. it's changed oh, it's them. changed now yeah so I when I finished uni mm-hmm. um I I had been hospitalized yearly, so from 2009, oh, yeah. 10, and 11. Uh, yeah, I was hospitalized each mm-hmm. year. And then 
when I finished uni and I started working, everything was fine up until mm-hmm. 2014. Um, I was diagnosed with something called ulcerative colitis as well, mm. which is where I have um, ulcers in my large bowel. And that plays off the sickle cell a lot. So since then, exactly. I can't tell you how many times I've been hospitalized now because if it's not, every time I get hospitalized, it's due to a sickle cell crisis. Mm -hmm. But it might not be your typical sickle cell triggers that cause the crisis. Mm -hmm. It could be my colitis that causes the crisis, you know. So it's it's very touching though. Are you getting any kind of treatment for that or is there is it kind of one of those things where it's like Yes, I'm okay. on treatment for that as well, yeah. And it does so it can help like reduce the the amount of crisis that you get. Is that the only kind of symptoms that come with that? Like when you have that it causes a crisis or does it have its own It like, has its own Okay. It has its own its own thing and it's mm-hmm. it's bad. I mean yeah. I mean, I thank God I'm healthy. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, if honestly, I don't know if I could choose one, I would choose sickle cell. Let's wow. just put it that way. But that's only because with sickle cell, I was born with it. I've known mm-hmm. it yeah, my you whole understand. life. Yeah. I understand it. Mm-hmm. Whereas with um, with this new condition, I say I say new, but in grand scheme of things, I've had it for a while. Mm-hmm. It the trigger changes each time for what causes a flare-up. So it could, and it's related to the environment and what I eat as well. So Mm -hmm. for example, I could one time maybe be like peppers, anything spicy Mm -hmm. would trigger a flare-up. A flare-up will happen and I don't eat spicy food for a while. Yeah. And then I'll eat spicy food again and that doesn't trigger. But then Mm -hmm. next time it might be onions that will trigger or... It could, it's just a, yeah, it's, it's very hard to get to, get, get to grips and learn the condition because it changes all the time. Yeah. But with sickle cell, I know what would trigger me to have a crisis, you know, I, I know, although there's many things that could trigger, I know it could be this, 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 or this. Yeah. And there's certain things that you can try and prevent. Cause I know like for me, my menstrual cycle is also a trigger. Like, so when you mentioned how you kept having it, that same thing happened to me when I was like 16, but my menstrual cycle started before that, like when I was like 12 or 13, but then 16, it was like every month going in. But with that, you can kind of like find ways to prevent it, be a bit more cautious around that time. So I do understand about like, even though it is, a chronic illness and it can happen anytime. There's certain things that you can kind of like, you know, prevent and dodge and like, you know, like especially cold weather is a trigger stress and stuff like that. So you kind of be like, okay, like and maybe avoid doing something stressful or something. But yeah, I do understand that it can be um hard when something's so unpredictable. So right now, how are you able to manage this on a daily basis? So with my sickle cell, I In 2020, I was actually Mm -hmm. offered the hydroxycarbamide, which I took for maybe two months. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped taking it because once I did research into finding out that it can actually hinder your reproductive systems and stuff, I literally was just like, yeah, I know I want more kids. By that time, I had one kid okay um I know what more kids so I just don't want to risk me being able to fall pregnant again um so I stopped taking it and because I stopped taking it they then put me on the red cell exchange treatment Mm -hmm. program so I still take my penicillin I take my folic acid but then every eight weeks I go for what we call a a blood exchange Mm -hmm. so it's when they they take a certain amount of litres of blood out or mm-hmm. eight units, we call it units. They take a certain amount of units of blood out and they yeah. replace it with with healthy blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's supposed to keep me going until the next eight weeks. Okay. So mm-hmm. that's like my main sickle cell treatment. It's mm-hmm. the, they but, want yeah. me to kind of go back on the hydroxycarbamide, but currently... Um, yeah. And it's very yeah. controversial because I, I've also... You know, there's all that stories of like how it causes like 
extra problems and this yeah you you never really know and it's it's yeah there's some people who are on it and they've had really bad experiences and there's some people who are like oh it's been fine so it's kind of it's always just kind of knowing I I have a friend who um who I've worked with Mm -hmm. and she was very ill when she was younger I mean Mm -hmm. she's had spleen taken out the whole night yeah and she's been on hydroxycarbamide she swears by it she absolutely swears by it whereas my sister's been on hydroxy since she was she was probably one of the first people in the uk to have hydroxy and you can't really tell like yeah so it's kind of like it's very hit and miss yeah but that's with any treatment though so yeah and so you're a young mother of two and could you please tell us about like your journey of motherhood and raising your children with sickle cell because that's that's a very kind of hot topic because I know there's especially with um some of the challenges that you faced how was that journey of you know raising kids having children um so when I was younger and every time I went into my hematology outpatient appointments Mm -hmm especially as I was getting older yeah. at that stage where you could, when you have a boyfriend, you could, you know, be having yeah. sex and all of that kind of stuff. They mm-hmm. always drummed into me. Stacey, if you have children, if you get pregnant, it's mm-hmm. going to be difficult. It will be hard. It could be life-threatening. You may oh not gosh, survive. Yeah. You Anything to scare me, basically. Yeah. So when I found out I was pregnant with my first son, I was mm-hmm. terrified. I was yeah. so terrified. But it's weird that when I'm pregnant, it's the healthiest I ever am. Wow, that's amazing. I'm I love that. Super healthy. I'm I can I've been told I carry very well. I wow, I don't so have good. any issues at all with pregnancy mm-hmm. and sickle cell. I don't get I mean, both pregnancies Mm-hmm. In the first trimester, I did have a crisis. Okay. But I, obviously, your body thinks that the, the fetus is a, a foreign being, so it's yeah. trying to fight off like, the fetus and this? then it probably <laughs> triggers off mm. a crisis. Um, but each time, especially my first son, I just stood, I stayed home and ride it out. Yeah. I rode it out because I was just like, I'm not going to take painkillers. I'm mm-hmm. not going to do anything to harm my baby. Yeah. Um, and that went on for, for three weeks. It was, I mean, if it like was... Like the crisis just, went on for three weeks? Yeah. Is that, oh. If I, if, if I couldn't see. handle it anymore, of course I would have gone to hospital, mm-hmm. yeah. but I knew it was something I could handle. Um, It was, uh, I just took paracetamol, even though paracetamol doesn't do anything. I just mm-hmm. thought at least let me psych myself to think that I'm, I'm actually yeah, doing something. something is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, with my second child, I caught COVID. Um, oh, wow. I caught COVID after Christmas. It oh was 2021. Mm. So I was pregnant with him in, in 20, December 2021 mm-hmm. after Christmas. I think it was Boxing Day or the 27th. Yeah. I ended up going into hospital because oh, no. um, the COVID triggered off a crisis. Yeah. That's, that's so. I didn't want to risk it. I mm-hmm. mean, if it wasn't for, if it wasn't the fact that it was COVID, yeah. I definitely would have just stayed home. But because, because it was COVID, I'm pregnant and I'm in pain and I've got a toddler to look yeah, after. And then I was just like, so, let me, oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> let me go in. Um, but to be honest, I didn't have any symptoms of COVID. It wasn't, the COVID was not the issue. It was the fact that it had triggered off the crisis. Oh, and then you, you did that the was, test. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, but apart from that, throughout my, throughout each trimester, my pregnancies have been fine. I've worked right wow. till the end of both yeah. pregnancies and yeah, I've been good. Of course, there's a lot of precaution. I have to go into hospital mm-hmm. and do regular checkups, regular yeah. scans. They gave me stuff. I know my second pregnancy, I had to inject myself daily and it's a whole lot, but I'd rather that and mm-hmm. make sure I'm being looked after than be a statistics of 
the one in five women, you know? Yes, definitely. So, yeah. And thank you for sharing that because that's a, uh, I think, personally, that's like a big fear because like you said, the doctors do try and say like, it's going to be a high risk pregnancy and, and all of this stuff. And because I know my menstrual cycle is a trigger. I remember I had a conversation with my doctor recently, just like out of curiosity, because, you know, I want to, I want to be a mom. I want to have children and stuff like that. And then she kind of said, well, yeah, it's, um, the reason why your menstrual cycle is an issue is because it's stress on the body and so is pregnancy. It's it's kind of like a stress on the body, especially with a healthy woman, like like back pains and all those kind of stuff. So it's always like such a big fear. And I've had, um, you know, I've spoken to some other people who it's like, oh my God, like they couldn't, after a year after their pregnancy, they were in hospital and stuff like that. So it kind of, it's quite scary. So it's really amazing that you, like you had a great, you yeah. had a good experience and that like, it's not, like, I mean, obviously, obviously everyone's body is so different, but it's also just exactly. like, it's good to hear different stories and see how other people yeah, cope with I'm it not, as well. I'm, it, for me, it was plain sailing. Mm-hmm. However, the, it did come with its challenges, but all yeah. the challenges in my mind, I just almost blocked it out. So when it kind of came to the pain and things, yeah. I was just like, well, crisis is a lot worse than this. So yeah. in the grand scheme of things if I can handle a crisis and me my stubborn self I hate I hate going into hospital so I have a crisis I could go to work with a crisis (laughs) I I do I'm crazy like (laughs) exactly so if I can do all of that Mm -hmm. having a crisis a little back pain or a little sciatica is not gonna it's not gonna kill me it's not the end of the day at the end of the day my body's creating a miracle yeah I'm I'm trying to lean into that more than trying to lean into the negative side of things. Yeah. I, I did have the back pain. I did have the sciatica. I did have the, especially with my second pregnancy, I found it harder than than my first because mm-hmm. obviously I had a toddler to look after and I was still yeah. going to work and, and all of that. So it was harder in terms of exhaust, exhaustion. Yeah. Um, but I did let that get to me. I think I, it's a mindset as well about yeah. how you cope with a lot of things. It's in the mindset. I know I want children. Yes, so there's nothing yes. going to get in my way of, of having them yeah. and making sure I'm healthy when I'm, when I'm carrying them. Yeah. Um, the birth, however, is <laughs> a whole different, <laughs> it's a whole different ball game. Um, with my first son mm-hmm. giving birth, I was in labor for 30 hours. Wow. Oh. 30 hours and the Ooh. pain, I'm not going to lie, it is painful. And I tell my sister this all the time, it is painful. Mm-hmm. But if you're someone that really has crisis, mm-hmm. I will choose labor pain every day over okay. a crisis. Oh, okay. So for me, have- <laughs> I could handle, I, exactly. Like, I I've had worse like, pain. <laughs> Exactly. And that's when I was in labor, that's mm-hmm. what I kept doing. I was just like, Stacey, you've been through worse than this. You've uh, been through worse yeah. than this. You've been through worse than this. So for me, I was able to handle it. Yeah. It doesn't mean it wasn't painful. Yeah. It was ex- it was painful. And of course, like with sickle cell, when you're in so much pain for so long, you become exhausted. Yeah. And then in your exhaustion, you're unable to handle the pain more because you're so tired. Yeah. So and where the pain is, it's in the most uncomfortable place. So uh, yeah, it makes it harder to handle. But if you really toe to toe it with a, yeah. a crisis pain, crisis is worse. Yeah. Um. So thirty hours. Um. I think maybe twenty of those or twenty five of those was pain free, just with gas and air. Oh, okay, that's, that's and, good. Yeah. Um. Then he pooped. In me, so they had like it was then a rush. They had to. I had an emergency C section oh, wow. to get him out because I wasn't dilating fast enough, oh. and he was. I could feel him like pushing down. <laughs> <laughs> he just, he was just like, "I'm ready. I need to. I need to get out." <laughs> and um, so I had an emergency C section. Yeah, and he was fine. Thank God. Amen. Yeah, I was. Um, um, I really fought that C-section because I didn't want it. I was, I want to do a whole natural holistic birth <laughs> kind of thing. No epidural, nothing. Yeah, that didn't work. It didn't happen. 
so they took him out mm-hmm. and then um I to this day I don't really remember details of what mm-hmm. happened after everything that's happened after is what I've been told by my husband and my family oh, yeah. because I was so ill and mm-hmm. so wiped out of it that I yeah. don't even remember the stages all I remember is family came to see me mm-hmm. my mother-in-law helped me to the toilet my mom had my son that's all I remember <laughs> because I was so ill and apparently I passed out mm-hmm. my husband had gone home to collect the breast pumps mm-hmm. by the time he came he was what he came to meet mm-hmm. in in the hospital in my recovery room yeah. guard him so much that he was scared to have more kids oh my because gosh the way he explains it was it looked like I was dying oh no yeah because there was doctors around me it was a oh rush back to the labor wards I was really ill oh kind no, of thing yeah. um so turns out what happened is my heart rate dropped but my temperature had risen it was it was not in a good situation so I had to have emergency blood so they gave me two units of blood turns out I had lost nine units of blood during the c-section and because it was such a rush the doctor who performed the c-section didn't know I had sickle cell so for a healthy person who loses nine units of blood that's not an issue like they would recover it's fine but someone sickle cell losing nine units of blood that's that's detrimental. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So um, they they tried to replace the blood. So with my first son, I was in hospital 10 days after because mm-hmm. I was ill. It yeah. took a long time to recover. I had to have two blood exchanges and the whole nine. With my second son, I was home two days later. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was very, yeah. Um, I had to have an emergency C-section with my second son as well mm-hmm. um, because he was back to back so I think I did 26 or 28 hours mm. labor with him um I did most of it at home unmedicated wow however when we went into hospital um my contractions were like three to five minutes apart when we went to hospital um they checked him my baby mm-hmm. and every time I contracted his heart rate dropped and because of the situation that happened the last time with my son pooping, mm-hmm. they didn't want the same situation. And because of the rush and me losing so much blood and being ill, they were like, best thing to do is let's just prepare for a C-section. Yeah. Let's get your blood ready. Let's do everything so, yeah, ready. More, yeah. It, it was more, even though it's classified as a C-section uh, emergency, it was a lot more smooth. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a yeah. rush. The doctor who was going to perform it came to see me. Okay, yeah. We had a chat and everything. It was a lot more organized I would say and yeah. because of that I was well enough to be home two days later oh that's really good um, compared yeah. to not getting home until 10 days later yeah. than the first time so yeah and the doctors who handled that were they um uh, like your regular hematology doctors or no because it's um it's pregnancy so they they don't usually have the same team or were they on hand yeah, to help so you or so throughout my pregnancy mm-hmm both times um my obstetrician was an obstetrician who is a consultant she's a consultant obstetrician but she specializes in sickle cell mothers okay that's good yeah so I saw her every month alongside my um hematology consultant mm-hmm. okay. so I saw them both every month and then they would organize all the tests and all the scans for me wow, yeah. um on the day, obviously, because in the NHS is all based off shift work, mm-hmm, my yeah. consultant obstetrician was not necessarily the one that delivered my children. Mm-hmm. But she, because of because of the extensive care that I got, yeah, all the consultants n- knew basically okay, that's good, yeah. what, what was going on. So although she didn't per se, she wasn't there mm-hmm. and she didn't um, deliver my children she would always come as soon as the baby were delivered or okay, the day good, after. Yeah. And um, my consultant, uh, hematologist was always there the day after birth as well. Oh, that's really so, good. And yeah, from that, so, those both experiences, would you say it's something that, would you be confident to have another child? Do you think like they were really, they did I'm a really good right job? Now. Huh? <laughs> I'm broody I'm broody right now. Like, <laughs> I, I would love another child. Um, I would I would be confident to mm-hmm. 
to have another child under their care yeah oh that's really good 100 yeah oh, that's good and i'm glad because sometimes yeah. you hear a lot of you know bad stories of like how some doctors and hospitals don't really know about sickle cell and stuff like this so it's really great that you had like hands-on people who knew how to treat yeah. you all the step every step of the way yeah. which is amazing um i will say though that because i I think I have a little bit of an advantage purely mm-hmm. for the fact that or anyone with sickle cell who okay. also works in healthcare yeah. would always have a bit of an advantage because we work in healthcare. Yeah, um, that's true. Um, when it comes to medical terms, I understand the way I speak and mm-hmm. conduct myself in my appointments and yeah. using medical terms myself, then knowing that I'm a medical professional yeah. and things like that. It's almost like she's not to be played with yeah. kind of thing because she, <laughs> she knows, knows what she's stuff. talking yeah. about <laughs> it's exactly. just so yeah. as well when it comes to having a crisis of being admitted in hospital mm-hmm. unfortunately i i hear loads of stories of people that don't get treated very well yeah. um, because of their sickle cell in hospital mm-hmm. and it's very sad because yeah. I know I don't have that experience. I always yeah. have a very good experience, even when I'm hospitalized yeah. due to a crisis. But I think it's also because of my medical knowledge. Yeah. Um. So because of that, it just, I always have a, a good experience or a yeah. great experience, I would even say, you know. And I, and I think that's such a good point that you made of just like knowing knowing your stuff and then being able to kind of communicate that. I know sometimes exactly. it is hard because sometimes you're in such, you're in a lot of pain and, and it can be like a stressful situation, but even just that can help, you know, like just get a better care. Cause I think it does add. It is very yeah. important. It is very, very important. I understand that when we're in pain, we are very impatient. We are yeah. agitative and stuff. And it's not, it's not, it's not through any fault of our own. Yeah. It's purely through the, situation we're in yeah but learning even even if you're not medical I would advise anyone with sickle cell Mm -hmm. to learn medical terms or learn medical terms that pertain to sickle cell yeah um learn your medications learn the dosages learn certain things Mm -hmm. know them to a t because when you go into hospital it would help so much to be that advocate for yourself you know not having to wait for the sickle cell nurse who you may not even get along with, you know, yeah. to then be relying on that sickle cell nurse to be your That's advocate. Yeah. It's not learn the medications, learn the opiates, learn, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it helps so much, even learning like your access points for your ports and yeah. things like oh that so that yes. you are not played with. Because yeah. if you know it and you're able to articulate yourself respectfully, Yes. It it goes such a long way to yeah. helping your hospital stay. Because, of course, you don't want to be there. So help yeah. them help you yeah. so that you so can true. get out quicker, you know? Yeah. It's true. What you said about the whenever I come into hospital, I always have issues with, like, getting um, them taking blood. I go to UCLH. And since COVID, it's the, host- the A&E is, like, freezing. And I've been complaining. And when I'm really cold, my veins are even worse. Like, you can't get any... Kind of mm. blood. I have really tiny veins. You're not just going to get it brushed by like poking into it. Like I need to be warmed up. I need to get like some heat, maybe get like a heat pack and stuff. Yeah. So frustrating. Cause you're like, <laughs> like, I'm already in pain. So it's just like little things like that. And like knowing yeah. your body a bit more. So before we go and touch into like um, more about your career in the NHS and stuff, I did want to ask one more question. Um, so during mm-hmm. your pregnancy, did you ever have to take any opiates? Because I remember when I had a conversation with my doctor and they said that if you take opiates, it may put your baby to sleep. And that like scared me because I was like, oh, no, like your poor baby, like falling is like it just the thought of it kind of was like scary. But yeah. is that something that you had to deal with or you kind of? Like you said, you you stayed away. From- I avoided it as uh, I avoided it as much as I possibly could. Um, with my first mm-hmm. child, I didn't take any opiates at all until delivery. Okay, yeah. okay when it, um, yeah. until delivery. Um, my second child, I had no choice because I was hospitalized when yeah. I had COVID. So okay, they yeah. were giving me they were giving me intravenous morphine, but okay, they were yeah. monitoring my baby a lot. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then because I know that they, because I know that's the only treatment for sickle cell, unfortunately, um, I was avoiding it. So 
for example, they'll give me um, a subcut injection of the mm-hmm. morphine maybe at 10 in the morning. Yeah. I would not ask for it again until like 10 at night because okay, I was yeah. just trying to really limit how much I was taking. Yeah. Um, and then when I was discharged, they did give me dehydrocodone mm-hmm. to take at home. Okay. Of course, I never took it when I was pregnant. But um, yeah. if I really, if I was in it, severe pain, mm-hmm. I'll probably take half of a tablet kind of thing and really okay. limit it. And yeah. I did it. I really, really tried not to. Um, we thank God my second son is healthy as well. Yeah, um, and good. none of that impacted him. Yeah. But it's something that I was really, really scared to mm, yeah. take. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So tell us about um, your career in the NHS. What inspired you to join? And, you know, how does that you know, impact your sickle cell and your management? Yeah. So um, I've, I think I've always been health driven. Mm-hmm. I'm not someone who can do business or work in IT or any of those kind of things. I'm very much, if it wasn't going to be health, I was going to be a social worker kind of mm-hmm. yeah, something along those lines. Um, I chose occupational therapy because I was really interested in mental health. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to do mental health nursing because yeah. I just knew that the demands of being a nurse mm-hmm. was too high for me physically due to sickle cell. Yeah. Um, like being on placements, doing night shifts and things mm, like that. I just yeah. knew that I, I physically much, yeah. would not be able to handle that. So I looked into occupational therapy and realized that, yes, you can do mental health, but mm-hmm. you can also do so many other aspects of it. Yeah. So I did that at uni. And then from uni, because it's an NHS course, pretty much I was guaranteed a job. So mm-hmm. I've been working even before I graduated. I've been working um, the first year and a half. I worked in a hospital mm-hmm. and that was it was good for me career wise to get all my ground in. But I absolutely mm-hmm. hated it because it was very demanding physically. Yeah. And after that, I then moved into the community but that was almost like a promotion into the mm-hmm. community worked in a community and that was lovely loved it scared, because yeah. I managed my own caseload I worked mm-hmm. alone I can manage my own time yeah kind of thing I could slow down and at the time I was working in the area I lived in mm-hmm. so it was easy for me to just pop home I had patients yeah, that yeah, lived on my road so it was easy to just pop home you know yeah it was a lot more easier for me to manage mm-hmm. and currently now I although I'm on maternity leave I do work in the community again just in in different aspects mm-hmm. now which is still extremely demanding so I've, yeah I've almost gone back into when I first graduated and worked in hospital, I'm doing almost, it's like a hospital, but in the community. So it's very oh, demanding. Nice. It's oh, based okay. on um, hosp- hospital prevention for, for my patients. So okay. it's very, very demanding. Mm-hmm. However, I, um, I've i learned how to pace myself. Yeah. I've had, a- across my career, I-, I could say that I'm very blessed to have had mm-hmm. very good managers Oh, that's um, good, yeah. Or decent, I would say decent to mm-hmm. excellent managers. It, it ranges good. in between. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, like currently my manager that I currently have now, she was married to someone who had sickle cell who unfortunately passed away. So oh, she, and she's a nurse, so, so she she understands. Yeah. I could come to work and she'll be like, Stacey, your eyes are yellow, you need to go home. Oh, that's so, that's so good. So have, she's yeah. extremely supportive yeah. and I'm very blessed in that way yeah. um, my manager prior didn't have any close connections to sickle cell but she was also a nurse so she mm-hmm. understood, understood yeah. sickle cell um, understood when I needed to take it, take a back seat mm-hmm. and things like that yeah. um, so luckily in my career I've had very supportive managers mm-hmm. and um, I've been able to pace myself but I think that's because I specifically chose a career that I could, you know, um, I could not have been a lawyer or my sister, my younger sister who's sickle cell, she studied mm-hmm. law mm-hmm. and um, she's going through that process now of mm-hmm. she's a paralegal at the moment. Oh, and nice. she's 
thinking about how she's going to juggle if she has a crisis and work because she works in the corporate world. My husband works in the corporate world and he tells me all the time, Stacey, if you were in the corporate world, you'd be out of a job. (laughs) (laughs) Because within, within, let's call a spade a spade. If you work for the government, which NHS technically is for Mm -hmm. the government, you cannot be sacked for anything. Do you know what I mean? Like there's so much leeway. Yeah. Not not saying that I take the mic, no, I don't no, take the course, mic, yeah. but there is so much leeway. It takes a lot for you to get fired from a government job. Take the police, for example. Mm-hmm. There's so many craziness going in, in the Met Police, but it's so hard to fire them. Mm-hmm. In in social work, when there's loads of kids yeah. being abused and they're missing so many things, but the people are not being fired. Like it's so hard. If you work for the government, it takes like yeah. somebody killing somebody, like the policeman <laughs> killed a woman to, yeah. to get fired. Or, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it takes a lot. So because of that, I'm I'm very supported and I'm very secure in my job yeah. or in my role because I know that I have supportive managers mm-hmm. and the policies within the NHS support disabled people. Yeah, which sounds, so yeah. Because of that, I am, I'm blessed. I'm lucky. Yeah. Because it's true, the with sickle cell and like chronic illnesses, it's unpredictable. So as much as you want, and I spoke about this on another podcast, as much as you want to be like always there, always on time, always, you can have a crisis at any moment. So it's like so Even hard right. and you can't control it. You want to be this reliable because companies are looking for reliability and all of this stuff. But, you know, <laughs> if you wake up with a crisis, what what can you do? So it's just that yeah. sense of like, it's so important to have people that understand. And that's why it's so hard yeah. and why um, sickle cell needs a lot more awareness in the sense, like if more um employers and stuff like that knew more about sickle cell it could help you could get more understanding bosses more understanding colleagues more understanding like teachers but it's still very slack yeah I will also say something maybe it might be a little bit controversial Mm -hmm. but I will say that people with sickle cell also have to come correct (laughs) do you know what I mean like because yes we have sickle cell we do, <laughs> and we struggle, and day to day is a struggle. Yeah. But there's so many times, let's call a spade a spade, there's so many times that I have sick myself, but if I want to go party or if I want to go somewhere, I'm going to firm it and go. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So if I can firm sickle cell and go for my personal enjoyment and whatever it is, it mm-hmm. might not be partying, it, might, it could be whatever. Yeah. I should be able to firm it to a certain extent yeah. for work. Do you get what I mean? The harder we work, the more our managers will be like, okay, she's having a crisis now. I can cut her some slack. Yeah. Because when you're well, you're well. You show up, you do the job, you're on it. But when you're sick, they can cut you some slack and be like, okay, do you know what? I understand she's got sickle cell, but when she works, when she's when she's she puts in, yeah. She puts in work. So now that she's not well. She can have a month off and yeah, be fine. Like I, I get given, I get given. So I can be in hospital mm-hmm. for a week or two. Yeah. Technically, by the third week, if I'm well, mm-hmm. I should go into work. Yeah. But my manager would be like, "Stacy, take some more time." That's so. Good. And then by the time you realize six weeks have gone by and I've not even gone back to work yet. <laughs> But that's but because they know that let's get her well. Yeah. So when she, she comes puts, back, she puts in work, you yeah, know? Yeah, she does a good and job. Some, I'm not going to lie. There's some sickle cell people that don't. So they find mm-hmm. it very hard to find managers who will see eye to eye with them. Yeah. I've, had sickle, a- I've, I've worked with people with sickle cell. Yeah. And I'm always the benchmark. And I'm like, I don't want to be the benchmark for her because... Of course, everyone's sickle cell is different, mm-hmm. but how you show up yeah, will determine that's... what's done for you, mm-hmm. you know? And I know a lot of sickle cell people don't like me saying stuff like this because it's kind of <laughs> going against the grain of what we want to do for ourselves. But honestly, we're, we're living in a world that don't know about sickle yeah. cell. We've got to show up somewhere yeah. and, and say that, that, yes, yeah. hey, I have a disability, that you don't know about, but I'm going to show you what my disability is all about. 
holistically, yeah. not just based on when I'm yeah. having a client's gift, you know? And I think that's a really good point because it's like, as long as you're do when you're well, you can actually do put in the 150%. You can actually come in. And it actually, like you said, it does make an impact because they will be like, wait, this person is always on time. They're always here. They're always putting in the work. And now they've actually explained they have a health condition and they can't come in. They're going to believe you more. Because I think some of yeah. the issues was like seeing you're well and then next minute you're like, oh, I had a crisis and I have this thing. And then they, they've never heard of it. So they're kind of like, oh, but she looks fine. So that's always the issue. Yeah. But I love that point of view of make sure that when you are well you are putting in like the work yeah and showing that I mean work. I go yeah. into interviews I go into interviews telling them about my sickle cell oh, yeah, so that good. they yeah. know from, from day the beginning, one yeah. if you're from going the... to employ me you know yeah this is what it is so you're employing me knowing this about me yeah which is so if you important, don't, yeah. If you don't take me, fine. But if you are going to employ me, you've got to know that I've got sickle cell. Yeah. But my work speaks for itself. Yeah. So you're going to employ me that. with a disability, yes, but my work speaks for itself. So yeah. I love that. You know, That's so good. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so please tell me about like um, any of your passions or hobbies or stuff that you love to do. Yeah, so I, yes, I work for the NHS, but I mm-hmm. also have my own side hustles, mm-hmm. we should say, um, <laughs> to make extra income, of course, because mm-hmm. nobody's about to be surviving off one stream of income. Yes, I work for the NHS. I'm an occupational mm-hmm. therapist, but I also have used my occupational therapy to open up my own private it's not really a clinic, but basically I go into nursing homes, care agencies wow. and stuff. And I, I train them on how to safely, it's called moving and handling. So I'm mm-hmm. like a moving and handling specialist. And I, okay. I do that privately outside yeah. of the NHS. That's money that will come directly to me kind of thing. Wow. That's so good. Um, So that's more work wise, mm-hmm. but in yeah. terms of my side hustles, um, I was doing YouTube frequently and Mm -hmm. very consistently up until I had children I do have a plan to come back but I have to work out the balance I I did come back very briefly and then Mm -hmm. I've been off again for about a year because I want to find a really good balance where I can come back to uploading consistently and initially it was about makeup beauty and all of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but now I'm, I'm moving more into the lifestyle kind of thing showing myself as a mother of two with sickle cell you know that whole lifestyle working Mm -hmm. running a home you know all of that kind of stuff so that's what I do across my social media Mm -hmm. um on Instagram and Twitter um TikTok sorry and um I um I like to throw in a little bit of cooking and things there as well and I love Um, I've seen the content I'm like (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying I'm trying to get consistent but child managing two kids is hard (laughs) so it's about balance so I'm really trying to find that balance that's working for me um I um I used to model um Mm -hmm. I've not modelled since being a mother, but I used mm-hmm. to do a lot of editorial modelling. Mm-hmm. And I do music. I, I sing and mm-hmm. I teach and I do vocal training and I provide that for choirs in churches. I oh, provide I a lot that. of vocal training and stuff mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah, I, I have my hands in a lot of different pots, which keeps me going. Yeah, and I love it. And I love, like, the creativity about it and, like... People And also, like what you said about the lifestyle journey, seeing a mother with sickle cell, you know, the household. People need to see this. People want to see this because it's it's good to see. Like even me, I'm like, you know, I have like fears and worries about like children and stuff like that. So it's like it's inspiring to see it and see like you're yeah. thriving. You've got your job, your career. You've got different things that you're doing. So it's very inspiring. Yeah. And even if like you said, you have to take a break, it's real life. It's, you know, your, your exactly. mother and your kids are still quite. How old are both of them right now? So my eldest is four and my okay. youngest is nine, nine months. Oh, so, so yeah. Still, <laughs> He's a still a baby. baby oh, yeah. so cute. Yeah. And I think it's very very important to also show like being with sickle cell being in a healthy healthy yeah. relationship with a husband that's very supportive yeah that's you know so- and how he 
I mean, he's not a social media person at all, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to somehow Drag get him roped in. into showing, <laughs> just to show because it's hard for a lot of sickle cell women anyway yeah. to see the example of, yes, you can marry somebody who doesn't have sickle cell, mm-hmm. who's still supportive and understanding of your condition. Yes. You know, it's yeah. very, very important. And I mean, my sister sees it because obviously she's my sister. She's around mm-hmm. me all the time, yeah. but it's very important for other women yeah. with sickle cell to see it as well. And if other women see it, then the men with sickle cell will know that it's also very capable for them to also marry a woman with no sickle cell. And, yeah. you know, rather than us being like, oh, I can settle for someone with a trait. No, we can't because we don't no. want to be breeding more sickle cell no. kids, right? So. No, you wouldn't wish this on anyone, even if you're thriving and you're doing well with it. You, exactly. You, yeah. I mean, it's such a difficult condition to mm-hmm. get to grips with on a daily basis. I mean, yeah. I look, we both look well right now, yeah. but I can guarantee you that there's battles we're facing right now as we sit down talking <laughs> to each other because that's just the nature of the game when it comes to sickle cell we have it but we were very good on putting a mask on yeah right yeah and just getting on with life but sometimes it's very important for people to see for us to take the mask off for people to actually see yeah. what happens on a day-to-day basis yeah. I know you mentioned earlier that um you met your husband when you were in schools and you were friends before, so he, yeah. he already knew. Was there any challenges within like that? Like, or has he just been like very supportive, like with hospital visits and all of that kind of stuff? And he's been very supportive. He never came to a hospital visit of mine up until when we got him tested for sickle cell. Okay. Um, which would have been probably like maybe six, seven years into our relationship. Oh, wow. He understood that I had to go hospital all the time. Mm-hmm. He would be there to visit when I had a, a sickle cell crisis. Okay. But he never actually came to a hospital appointment oh, okay, with yeah, me yeah. up until when he got tested for sickle cell himself. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's very supportive. He's known about, his grandma has sickle cell. So okay, yeah, he's so known about kinda, sickle yeah, cell. Um and stuff it's just lucky that he doesn't have the, the sickle gene yeah but he's known about sickle cell and stuff um so yeah. yeah when it comes to like I said before I never had to have that um yeah. talk about sickle yeah. cell or are you going to get tested because he, yeah. he knew from the beginning and he's been supportive from the beginning he's almost like micromanaged me <laughs> <laughs> along like have you taken your painkillers have you oh, taken your medication yeah, are you making sure you're healthy kind of thing he's he's been very supportive if I'm ill he's like yeah but that's because you didn't take your medication kind of thing <laughs> yeah so he's yeah, but he's always good. been supportive oh that's really good yeah, yeah. <laughs> my children and my family that keep me going mm-hmm. they give me a reason for everything I do Ah, oh, so they're kind of like your your passion, your motivation. Yeah, yeah especially my, my first yeah. one son. He's so caring. He's so oh. he's so like, mummy, are you okay? That's so mommy, cute. Mummy, is it Al? Are you hurting? Like oh, he's so he's so cute, so caring and stuff, and that's by nature. Yeah, kind of thing. Like so that keeps me going, especially if I don't oh, I want him to that. see that side. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. Um, so what are your future goals? My future goals, if I can get my husband on side to have one more child, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, my future goal is to just continue, honestly, in the way I'm going. Like I have some goals to um, expand in terms of my, my occupational therapy route mm-hmm. and um my main goal is to be able to make money, but still being around and present for my kids. Really, yeah. that's like the main goal. Yeah. I still want to work. I still want to do everything, but mm-hmm. I still want to be present for my children and my family. Yeah, really. So that's like the main goal. Oh, that's amazing. And what last question would just be: Why do you think there's such a lack of visibility with sickle cell? What can we do to improve that? Or do you think there's a lack of visibility? Do you think there's a lot of awareness? There is such a lack of visibility. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lack of visibility because sickle cell is not for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a a black illness. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it's not 
it's it's not it's not visible like it's it's almost like other conditions come before sickle cell let's just put it that way mm. um also because with sickle cell i mean if our own community don't know much about it it's hard to get the wider community to know a lot yeah. about it um i think what we need to do is really educate the black community first mm-hmm. and let them really know about sickle cell before we can then start going out and educating the wider community um because and i think another reason why i know it's going to sound a bit controversial mm-hmm. as well but there's for it. there's some sort of competition when it comes to sickle cell advocates mm-hmm. um, okay. I don't know if you've realised it. (laughs) There's some sort of competition. It's like, we could all do it together. Mm -hmm. Do you know? There should be room for everyone when it comes to sickle cell advocation. Mm -hmm. Um, But for some reason, there isn't. And -hmm. I think that is stifling our reach. Whereas if we all came together and spread the same, because we're all spreading the same awareness, Mm -hmm. whether you're a mother, you're not a mother, whether you're a man, whatever, we're all spreading the same awareness of sickle cell and how it impacts our life in various different ways. And if we all came together to spread that awareness, we will reach a lot more people. Yeah, that's true. Um, There's so many, I know I've, I've tried to reach out to other sickle cell people Mm -hmm. um to to do a joint collaboration with things and and some things never happen because it's like they want to be seen as or yeah they want to be seen as the one who who did it but it's not about (laughs) it's not about that that. it's about spreading awareness yeah it's about it's about spreading awareness right um yeah that's the that's what i say and i think we need to be a bit more forceful and a bit more push we need to give a bit more push um Mm -hmm. Get get on national TV. Let's yeah. do more documentaries. Let's you know do a lot more when it comes to sickle cell and spread awareness. Um, at the moment, I'm actually looking into going into schools to yeah. to teachers about sickle cell yeah. and how to treat their students with sickle cell because that That's is really very good. important. Um, my sister struggled a lot when she was in mm. secondary school when it came to teachers understanding her um, when it comes to her condition and things like that. So that's something I really want to do from primary yeah. school level right up until college. Yeah. It's just going and visiting schools and especially when it comes to their teacher training days, visiting schools and, and letting them know what yeah. sickle cell is, how it impacts a student yeah. and things like that. So that's something I'm working on. And I've actually spoken to a few schools, which we're hopefully going to start this summer. Yeah. So that's yeah. really good. Cause it's so true. And definitely cause um, with the Gideon Treasure Foundation, what we really focuses on is like finding purpose for your pain. So it's like doing creative workshops because I have a fashion brand and we do like internships. So that was another thing we were trying to do is like reach out to schools and see if they wanted to do like workshops and stuff. Cause that does, it's just, I feel like it's like you said, it's good to start young with students and stuff like that. So they can be educated. And like, I don't know, like if we've both experienced, but in school, I didn't really know any other person with sickle cell in my school, like, like in my secondary school, in my primary school, in in fashion yeah. school, I didn't I, meet. <laughs> I knew I knew one other in secondary mm-hmm. school, one other girl with sickle cell, um, but yeah, we don't yeah. meet each other really. But there's a lot of us. Yeah. But also, I find, like I said before, it's very important. I find for teachers to really know what sickle cell is so that they can provide support for students and their families so that one students are not missing out on their education because they're ill which is very important um and just to provide that support not to feel like they're being discriminated against in school um so that's That's something that's very is very near and dear to my heart actually so yeah that's really good and I think it's so important it's been such a pleasure to get to know you and to learn about your incredible story your journey and everything um that you're working on right now thank you so much for joining me oh thank you so much for having me yeah and being part of the Sliver with Sickle Cell podcast. I definitely think you're sliving, you're slaying and you're living your best life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> please could you share with everyone um, your social media links so we can follow you and any projects or anything that you're currently working on that we can take a look and follow your journey yes yeah, so social media you can find me at Stacy Shells on mm-hmm. Instagram and TikTok um, Stacy Shells also on YouTube mm-hmm. I'm not there I'm not currently active on YouTube, but I will be coming back. Um, And projects that I'm working on when it comes to sickle cell is really going into schools. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I'm trying to see about putting together a little something, but I don't want to really speak too much on it yet because Mm -hmm. I want it to come into fruition. But yeah, just follow me on socials. And obviously I will be showing bits and bobs of my life and living with sickle cell and things like that. So yeah. Yay, and we can't wait to see more. But thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Barbara. This podcast is sponsored by Dumabai, exotic couture women's wear clothing brand for the goddess in all women. If you're interested in a one-of-a-kind piece handmade to perfection in London, then go over to our exclusive website, www.dumabaifashion.com. There you will find some unique, incredible pieces. 20% of all proceeds go to the Gideon's Treasure Foundation and all our initiatives, including this podcast and also free creative workshops for people living with sickle cell and other chronic illnesses. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope you will continue this journey with me. We will be discussing a lot of different topics, important topics, and we'll have some incredible guest speakers joining to share their experiences. Please subscribe and like our Instagram pages, Atelier underscore Dubai and Gideon underscore Treasure. Feel free to leave a comment, ask a question, and if you would like to be a guest speaker and share your story, please send me an email. Details in the episode description. Love you and God bless. Mwah.